At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm David. And this is Westworld Cast Episode 14, the penultimate podcast for Westworld Season 2. I can't believe there's only one more. <laughs> it's crazy. It went by fast, huh? It really has. Yeah. Well, this episode was awesome, I thought. So I will say a couple of things, and uh, obviously we'll get more into the details of all this. Uh, I did think the episode was awesome. I super enjoyed it. Um, all qu- kinds of interesting and enjoyable happenings. I, I thought it had a couple weak points, oh. which is for me rare with this show. Yeah, that sounds like um, the worst thing you've ever said about any episode. <laughs> <laughs> pretty mild, uh, um, pretty mild criticism. Did you but, like it overall? You did, though. Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. No, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I just feel like it's building to a crescendo here. Yeah, for cool. sure. And that's when I say I can't believe there's only one left. It's like, <laughs> wow, they're actually getting to it. You know, I was thinking back on the first episode of season two and just all the mystery that was laid out. Um, a yeah. fair amount of which has been answered along the way. Uh, mm-hmm. But now we're we're finally getting to that. Yeah, I mean, just, finish. yeah. The that there's been mystery and that they've answered or at least given strong hints about a lot of it and even really answered some of it makes me feel better about this series as a whole because after season one, which was all about the hosts being conscious, I was afraid that they wouldn't be able to, um, I don't know, keep having new and interesting things to explore. But now that they've shown me that they can with season two, then I'm more optimistic that they'll be able to do a few more seasons like that too. feels like they have more places to go after this. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't clear how they were going to expand the world. They said the world's going to get bigger after the first year and how they were going to keep that enjoyable and interesting and although different than the first season i think it's been every bit as enjoyable Mm -hmm. as the first one and they haven't even gotten to the part where the hosts start like taking president's place around the world (laughs) it's coming i'm telling you it's it's coming coming. well let's get into our top five highlights so it's our top five highlights for westworld season two episode nine vanishing point what's your number five cool well uh my number five is ed harris you know, most of this episode, although not 100% of it, revolved around him. 
and we got to see him extensively in some different situations than we had before. So we're, we've seen a lot of young William in the park. We've seen a lot of old man in black in the park. Um, we had seen very little of older man in black William guy outside the park. Uh, with his family and as a philanthropist, and in we've the, heard about quote, it, unquote, yeah. real world, right, right. And I think it gave him a chance to stretch his legs and draw the contrast between those characters. And while we did not learn that much plot that we hadn't known already, right, we knew about his wife's suicide mm-hmm. uh, and some of what went behind it. We did learn a fair amount about him. And I think the main thing we learned is that while there had always been this contrast talked about between the character in the park and the character in the real world and how he had built a wall between the two, um, what we didn't quite know was that his personality is especially susceptible to delusion and that he has been losing the distinction between the worlds. Mm. Uh, more and more extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and also between, yeah, between the worlds and between the two compartmentalized halves of his own self, which I guess is the same thing, kind of. Yeah. And so there's this whole thing that goes on where he's not sure if he's a host at mm-hmm. at various points. I think we're, we haven't been sure whether he could be one. Right. Uh, but he's lost the ability by the end of this episode to tell the difference between reality and fantasy, which makes him much like a host mm-hmm. in effect where the memories all run together. Um, and he might even be one. And he might even be one. Although I still think he is not. I, I do too. I think he's not. Um, when he started jabbing himself at the end there and the knife went pretty far in and he didn't really flinch that much. I thought, Oh my God, he's a host, but I think he's just trying to figure out if he is or not, right? Yeah, I think he's trying to figure that out. And and he could be. This um, show certainly uses a lot of misdirection. Um, but I sort of interpreted it as his... He's, he's uh, susceptible to paranoid delusion. Mm-hmm. And by the end of this episode, he certainly was having both delusions and being paranoid. I thought it was great that we got to see his personality profile as generated by the park which I took to be not all the data that's in his consciousness. It couldn't possibly be that much data, but sort of an executive summary of it. And his the screen that had his personality profile said, it said subject 002, hmm. which made me wonder who is subject 001. I kind of assumed it was Logan. Or, yeah, maybe so. I was going to say Delos, but he didn't have contact with the park until later, huh? So maybe it was Logan. It could be Delos. Um, it could be Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be a number of things, but I sort of guessed that it was Logan because he was the first to yeah. sort of be subjected to it. Uh, but anyway, it goes on to say category 47 B. I love that they have a category for this, that it's rare only 0.0072% mm-hmm. persecutory subtype delusions, paranoid subtype. Uh, and then there's all these videos of him like massacring hosts and raping Dolores and all right. this. Right. 
And when I first up shit. when I first saw that, because that's basically the two things: he's dragging Dolores by the hair, which we remember seeing, and he's right. shooting a lot of people. And I'm sort of like. If if uh, I'm his wife, because I feel like this is a big turning point. What we're supposed to get is that uh, we've always been told that in the real world, he's a nice guy. He's a philanthropist. It's kind of hard for us to see him in that perspective since we've only seen him be kind of intense and often really cruel. And in the real world, which we saw in this episode, he's kind of reserved. So you could still project all of that onto him. It's not like he suddenly has a big smile on his face and he's like going around, you know, being smarmy with people or anything. Right. But still you get the idea that everyone else sees him as much different than the way he acts in the park. So it's a shock for his wife to see this on his profile card. Yeah. Although she knew his character, I don't think she was surprised by it. It just was a confirmed a, a confirmation and I think it's no matter how much you know something it's different to actually see, to it. see it but then there was a part of me that's like well isn't that what the park is for so you get to go shoot people I mean I guess um, dragging a girl by the hair that's maybe something you wouldn't expect but I, I don't know it felt a little too quick like she just lays this thing down and all of a sudden it pops up these pictures that are exactly what she needs to see to formulate her shocked opinion of what he's been doing you know no, I agree with that, and um, and I will get into that a little bit more when I talk about what some of my problems were with this episode and the storytelling. That was but, one of them. But yeah, that was kind of one of them. It was a little, it was all a little neat. It's like a shorthand, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I know what they're trying to show us here, so yeah. you know, tend to be forgiving because it, it's a sure. great show. <laughs> um, but but I I agree with you. I thought that was a little bit too neat, and I um, as a bigger story problem i also agree with what you said there you know if you take this entire sub story that has grown up now to where the whole purpose of the park is to map the consciousness and see how they react in all these different situations so part of that may have to do with losing the distinction between reality and fantasy but it is presented to them as a fantasy Mm -hmm. um and people do have some messed up fantasies without it being their entire full picture of their character so it's a little questionable to me what this research project is producing Mm -hmm. like it's accuracy well one thing we learned this episode that's brand new if it's even real is that there's scanners in the hats yes I did actually really like that. I thought that was pretty clever. Clever, because they're yeah. always wearing them. Right. But, uh, uh, yeah, and I liked it because it's just been bugging me that, you know, what, they can grab someone's consciousness just by, like, watching their behavior? That that seems like a huge stretch even for sci-fi. So right. I was just, I, you know, the sci-fi geek in me wanted something like this where there was something reading their brainwaves or something. And, yeah, I get the impression that it... Um, it's still necessary for people to go through the paces of being put in these situations and seeing what choices they'll make so that then they'll generate certain brainwaves or something that will be read by the scan or something like that. Right. So that's where uh, your point um, could make sense, even with the scanners that it's not necessarily just getting a full picture of their consciousness. It's getting a readout on how they react to different stimulus or something like that. Yeah. Um, Karen pointed out that, um, you know, they give you the choice of the white or black hat. 
mm-hmm. that his daughter's hat was gray. <laughs> and we don't see that too much in this show. That's good. <laughs> well, I had a lot about him that you said some of it already. I guess what interested me, I think, yeah, we've gotten um, bits of this throughout the series already, but this kind of lays out the story of the man in black coming to terms with this dark side of himself. And uh, Ford kind of kicks that off by giving him this profile card that basically contains a record of what he's been in the park. And that represents this darkness because that's how he's been in the park. And uh, I'm like, why did Ford give that to him right now? I think it's just to have him take a stark look at himself. And then Juliet finds this card and after um, Man in Black kind of clues him in by telling her, thinking that she's asleep, no one else sees it, this thing in me, um, a stain I never noticed before, et cetera, et cetera. I tried to do right. I, you know, I didn't cheat and all that, but, you know, the real truth was what's underneath is horrible. And so she goes and somehow knows to grab the card and finds out, you know, just kind of gets, like we said, confirmation of the real truth. And that's why I, I feel like that in combination with her uh, feeling like she was about to get locked away is why she killed herself. And I think he felt really guilty. That really messed him up. We already kind of knew that, but just seeing it laid out in the story, it's like that that kind of wrecked him. And we know that that's when he went back into the park and decided to get super nihilistic and explore his dark side even more. He killed Maeve and, and her daughter. And um, Emily says that he's punishing himself. He even talks, I mean, I think after that was when we saw him meet James Delos, Delhost, I should say, and say, <laughs> you know what? Maybe uh, humans don't need to be immortal. I think he's just hating on himself at this point. He's just a filled kind of a self-loathing kind of a thing at this point. Yeah, you know, there was a plot point there that I didn't like, but then upon second watching, I think I was wrong about it. What's that? And it was that when he's confronted by Emily and she's saying all this stuff like I couldn't it was like a jigsaw puzzle with a piece missing I couldn't figure out why that night was different and why mom killed herself and I thought it was only because of what I did and the whole time I was thinking well but she already found the profile Mm -hmm. right Um, she knows the answer already Um, but then I think it just turned out she was just manipulating him yeah I think she was lying the whole time. Yeah, which is pretty, that's worthy of his daughter. That's right. pretty, pretty cynical and cold. It is. Yeah, on the one hand, I think it's great because of that. On the other hand, I kind of liked the idea that she wanted to try to work things out with him. And if it's really that that was all just a manipulation and she was just trying to trap him so that she could expose him and jail him, like she said at the end, then it feels a little bit pat and typical in some ways to me, I think that is what it is though. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so, uh, then he kills her that, yeah, that's where you're like, Oh man, he's going insane here. Although it was interesting that they showed the, uh, enforcer guy scan men in black. And it said scanning for a restraint ordinance clear. So at first glance that makes you think, okay, he checks out, but scanning for a restraint ordinance, I think that sounds like it just means they're looking to see if that device 
that keeps the host from leaving the park is there, not to tell whether he's actually a host. Uh, good catch. Maybe. I, I did not notice that, um, that that's exactly what it said. I did notice that we didn't get to see her scan. Right. And I think that's a uh, typical Westworld teasing. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it leaves right. doubt in our minds. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, it definitely does seem like he went crazy and killed a bunch of people, including his daughter and mistakenly. And then, yeah, then he almost kills himself because of it. Yeah. But then typical Westworld. And this is actually was a, a strong point. You're like, wait a minute, was she or wasn't she? We right. don't really know for I sure. I still don't know. I think she was human and he and really messed up. Is he or isn't he? You don't know right. that either. <laughs> <laughs> don't and know I love anything. that. Like yeah. that was an intense scene when he yeah. shot. I mean, he did his typical thing where he just suddenly kills everybody because he's so badass. And then yeah. he shot her and I was like, oh my God, I kind of liked her on the show. I, I know I I she's too. not dead, yeah. but we don't even know what's real and what's not just like everybody in the show. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I guess good. that was, I'll make that my number five too. Just all about man in black. Cool. So my number four is something this show does a lot of and does it well, which is anguish. There was a lot of it in this episode. So Mm -hmm. there was portrayed the anguish of the man in black who realizes or thinks he realizes he has caused the death of his daughter as well as his wife. There's the anguish of Juliet who watched William basically destroy her entire family. Although I thought that was a little bit of an overstatement. I do too. They didn't really bring home why they hate him so much it sounds like it's because he goes to the park a lot and he seems kind of dark and that that just seems like i don't know we didn't get to really experience how that manifests yeah you know i what i, mean? I, I kind of read into it that logan changed after the bad experience he had in the park with William, like that helped drive him and whatever their association was helped drive him into addiction and his death Mm. And that maybe James Delos went downhill in association with him, too. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, because she mentioned something about how he ruined them, too. Right. Um, But certainly, you know, anguish, grief on her part enough so that she doesn't even want to live. Drinking herself silly. Right. And then there's Dolores. So Dolores wanted sentience. She wanted control. But... In effect, she causes the death of Teddy, who truly loves her and whom it turns out she actually truly loves, although she changed him and has been controlling him. Um, Not that unusual in real life, maybe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I thought the Teddy and Dolores scene was one of the best scenes this show has ever had. Wow. It was just emotionally powerful. So to me, Teddy, along with Maeve and Bernard, maybe are the three most sympathetic characters, Um, none of them human. Mm -hmm. And he truly makes a choice here because we've always wondered with him, is he just manipulated? Is he really awake? Um, He says, what good is surviving if we become as bad as them? I know now where you're going to lead us, where this is going to lead. I think he means the total annihilation of humanity. And it's very rare that we see Dolores surprised. She's always so in control and the, you know, woman with a plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she goes through a range of emotion, you know, this shock. And then she tries to manipulate him a little bit when she thinks he's going to kill her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then finally grief. 
and anguish, but I, I thought it was very powerful and, and just um, great acting on both their parts. Just a great mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Like suddenly, whereas Teddy before had always seemed a little bit buffoonish as we've talked about, or just kind of clueless. He's really deep and powerful right now of a character, just a really good character. And yeah. now he's dead and he may never, <laughs> he may never come back again. So I don't know. I, I hope he does somehow because I'm really digging him. And I, that the scene too, where he decided not to kill the ghost nation man and he really struggled with it. I just love that. Like, yeah, he's fighting his programming and his old self is coming through. Right. And so if you think about the, I thought there was a parallel here between the man in black and Dolores also in that resurrection and immortality has been such a theme in this show. But I think the man in black realizes, or at least thinks that he's killed something that can't be brought back his daughter, something, Mm -hmm. um, you know, however cold he is, I think that he does have some feelings for her seems to, um, so he almost killed himself because of it. Yeah. And so she can't be brought back or resurrected presumably. And then you have um, Dolores who destroyed the cradle. And I think she realizes in that moment that thanks to my action, Teddy can't be brought back. Right. Maybe not such a good idea after all. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, it seems like a stupid idea. To me. <laughs> right. We've never quite figured that one out. Yeah. And um, it did make me wonder um, again, upon second watching if man in black about to kill himself did he then stop and think, wait a minute, there's a copy of Emily in the forge. I could resurrect her. Hmm. There's no overt evidence for that, but he, mm-hmm. he may have thought that. It seemed like that decision was hinged on him thinking about we're a collection of choices, which is a theme in this episode. And do I actually have choice, which got him wondering again, if he's a host and he, a few times in the episode looked down at his arm. Right. Once when, um, he was, I think it was when he was sitting by his wife in bed. And once when he was at the philanthropy thing and he kind of hallucinated that he saw Dolores walking towards him, one of the server girls. Right. And he looked down in his arm and he's like touching it. And I don't know really what they're getting at, but it feels like he's just questioning the nature of his reality. And so I, I guess he's about to make a choice to kill himself, which is like the final choice and wanted to make sure whether or not it was his own or not, maybe. Mm hmm. Okay, so can we just break in for a second and talk about is Man in Black a host or a human? What are the mm-hmm. pros and cons on each side here? You got, I don't, yeah. So I would say um, pros that he, lots of pros that he is a human, right? We see him extensively in the real world as well as in the park. Um, there's this whole paranoid delusion thing, which seems to explain a lot of his behavior. Um, I would say pros that he is a host or one is still this fact that he's this old man that got shot like six times and he seems pretty active. That remains suspicious to me. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is just that he can't seem to figure it out. Yeah. And that, I mean, he's been healing himself with that tool 
And I can't remember if we've seen other humans use that, but I always just presumed, okay, well, I guess this works on humans too, because otherwise they're just showing us that he's a host. Right. But now maybe they just had it hidden in plain sight. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, I think he's, yeah, who knows, but I, we, we kind of already said it, but I think he's human, but I don't know at this point. I think so. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, where are we? I'm kind of lost. We are on your number four. Okay, so <clears throat> we learned a bit more about the Valley Beyond, or at least solidified what we knew or suspected. Bernard says to Elsie, what they're doing to James Delos, they're doing to everyone who's ever visited the park. She goes, replicating their cognition, which is uh, a new way to put it. I've been saying consciousness, but she says their cognition, which probably is more accurate. Just it's about the way they think mm-hmm. versus the the whole of their mind. I don't know. But uh, why to turn the guests into hosts? You're fucking kidding. She goes, that's or Bernard says, that's what's in the facility. All the guests laid bare in code on a vast server like the cradle, only much bigger. It's called the forge. So now we know exactly what is in the valley beyond. And if he goes out of his way to say like the cradle, so that makes me think that it's also a simulation in there yes i thought that too maybe and which means that although we didn't get the indicator of letterboxing that the all the real world scenes with man in black could be simulation in the forge (laughs) right right (laughs) and it also maybe explains i don't know this is just a theory i guess but why people have also been referring to it as a door maybe going into the simulation i don't know though that that doesn't seem right but the ghost nation there was a a confrontation between one of the ghost nation guys and dolores or a few of them i actually we got to see the one die right that they found on the beach and replayed that memory i think it was the same one where she said the valley beyond was not meant for you um and they want they they're protecting it they want to go into it they think it's a paradise it's it's a new world that they can go to and i don't know if that means go into a simulation or what that means but she's saying that the only real world is the one outside these borders so to me that's a contrast that suggests okay this is not a door the valley beyond is not a door that leads out of the park she's saying whatever you think is a new world is just a naive illusion. And anyway, then she goes on to say that this is a tool made by the people who built this park to, for immortality, but I'm going to use it against them. So I think that's how, you know, what we'll find out next week is how is she going to use this storage facility that contains all the guests cognitions against the people who built the park any ideas uh i'm not sure and and i actually think this part is really good storytelling because we've gotten all the way to the end of the season and i feel like i still don't know the answer 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Ford kept talking about it. We've got to open the door. We've got to open the door. I don't feel like I know exactly what that means still. Right. Only thing that would make it bad is if by the end of next episode, we still have no idea. <laughs> right. But I do <laughs> feel it's metaphorical, thing. not physical. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we got one more week to uh, to find out the answer to that, but I don't think I know. Yeah, I'm hoping it's something satisfying. What we do know is that this valley is going to be flooded and there's going to be host bodies floating everywhere and Bernard's going to think he did it, which at first I thought that would be under Ford's influence, but it at least seems like he eradicated Ford from him. I don't know. I have doubts about that. But anyways, we're missing a lot of pieces and hopefully it'll uh, come to light next week. Right. Okay, so uh, my number three is these sort of things that bugged me this week. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first top five I've ever had anything negative about the show. You know, because, and even as we're talking, I still think it was a great episode. But here mm-hmm. was a few things mm-hmm. that I just thought were not up to Westworld quality. One was this whole business of William, like a theatrical villain, telling the whole story to his wife while she's sleeping. But it turns out she wasn't sleeping the whole time. It just was, like, very contrived. I understand why they did it plot-wise. Just thought it was a little clumsy. Yeah. Um, It's like a soap opera. Yeah. These are subtle, intelligent characters. I just don't see it happening like that. (laughs) Um, Another one was, okay, we had that whole gorgeous story last week about ghost nation and it was moving and mystical and subtle and all these things. And then all of a sudden in this episode, they just show up, confront the death bringer with bows and arrows say, we're about to stop you and get massacred. (laughs) Right. I was just like, after all that, that was the plan. Um, after all this subtle stuff that they did. So I didn't love that. Mm-hmm. But th- um, I don't think we saw Akachita Akichi- there, right? We did not. So Akichita. I think he still is going to figure into the final episode. And I love yeah. that because he's a great character. But they just sort of handled that by blunt force. Wasn't the greatest. You reminded me of something else too about when you were mentioning um, William sitting by his wife's bed just kind of giving expository dialogue is when William was talking with Ford at the bar and he just sort of offhandedly mentions well you know our agreement that Delos stays out of Robert's stories and you stay out of the valley right. and that seems like well yeah he does know that agreement you don't need to tell him that was just so we <laughs> little <would know>. plotting <laughs> right little it was interesting exposition. to learn yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that whole thing. I'm getting a little nitpicky now at this point, yeah, but I yeah, thought yeah. all of that. It's okay. The um you know, the card that is his profile, it's like we're way off in the future here. I mean, we're beyond that technology now. Right? Can't he just <laughs> like beam it into his brain or wouldn't it be encrypted or um it just was all a yeah. little clumsy to get to yeah. the wife discovery. Mm-hmm. And then the one I thought was really bad and this feeling has been growing in me throughout this season, but 
just these security teams of Delos are really terrible at their jobs. <laughs> I mean, they just get massacred as a group, like at the drop of a hat, so to speak. I mean, so here's like this old man. Yeah. yeah, this old man's been shot like six times and he just kills four of these guys with no problem. Right. And that kind of happened last week, too. Like the whole security team got killed and then this whole second security team got killed. I, I understand why it's got to happen maybe that way for the story, but um, it just seems way too easy. <laughs> there is a part of me that likes how quickly man in black always dispatches of groups of people <laughs> firing at him. <laughs> but I get, I get your point. It, it made more sense when they couldn't really kill him. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, that's it. That was it. Yeah. I just right. thought there was just, were some um, less than elegant details this week. <laughs> Okay, I wanted to focus number three on just kind of figuring out what people's goals were. Uh, last time we knew that Ford and Bernard were headed for the Valley Beyond, and Bernard kind of clarifies why he was doing that. He says that the forge is where the hosts are headed, and imagine what one host can do with that trove of information. And I'm like, what? I, w- I want to know what. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, before you keep going... Um, I thought that too, in addition to not really understanding what the door is, Mm -hmm. when he said, imagine what one host could do with all that information. I was like, what could they do? (laughs) It's not clear (laughs) to me. Right. I mean, I guess if my, um, cognition was in there, I wouldn't want some bad actor to get a hold of it. No. Well, (laughs) as we know from this era, there's no data privacy. Right. (laughs) Right, I know. I guess I should be worried about Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so then he goes on. That's why we need to get there first to secure it and leverage it to end all this, dictate the outcome that we want. So I don't know how, but he feels like if a, a, a bad host gets a hold of it, they could be dangerous. So he he seems to want to tamp things down and keep it under control. Like he's not really being rebellious, but he wants to... He wants basically to be the one in control of it because he thinks that that's where the power is. And Ford is always concerned with, I feel like, freeing the host. He he mentions the origin of a species a lot. He says to Bernard, there's an origin of an entire species to consider. We need to open the door. And in his last speech in season one, right before Dolores shot him, he says... So I began to compose a new story for them. It begins with the birth of a new people and the choices they will have to make. And um, he talking to Maeve in this episode, he says, I tried to chart a path for you to force you to escape, but I was wrong. I should have just opened a door. So I feel like he's going there to do something that he feels like will help the hosts be free and, and thrive as a species. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And it's seemed to build up all along to Ford's dim view of humanity, essentially wanting the host to survive by killing all humans. Um, He seemed less malevolent in this episode Uh, or that all the philosophy he espoused seemed a little softer. I could be wrong about that. It's just how it seemed to me. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that because he 
wants Bernard to kill Elsie, and he's That's saying true. Yeah. she won't. She's going to betray you, and I'm like, well, she seems pretty like solid with him. <laughs> um, but then he he says at one point, humans will always choose what they understand over what they do not. But the only animals left in this world are the ones who they subjugated, who curl at their feet, or those who learn to flee at the very sound of their approach. There's nothing in between. So I think by saying that, he's saying if we, you know. You guys are in between, so if you don't kill them, then they're going to kill you. I think that's what he's saying. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, then Man in Black, I, th- I think he's going there to destroy the whole thing because it represents his mistakes. He says at one point to Emily, who he thinks is Ford, and maybe, we don't know, <laughs> uh, says, I make my own decisions and I'm going to destroy this whole fucking place. So that's pretty clear. If we can take him at his word. Yeah, but he wants to do it in a certain way, which is through the game of the park. I mean, mm-hmm. he probably had the power to have it destroyed from outside. Right. I mean, what I don't understand yet is why does Ford go out of his way to make the, make a game for William? What is William to Ford? It seems like he's more than just one of the board members and, you know, financiers. But I don't know. They really seem like old enemies. <laughs> um, you know, they who who don't see things the same, don't see the same purpose, um, and really dislike each other. But there's almost something um, not necessarily friendly, but it's like, <laughs> did you see the the Lego Batman movie? I don't think By so. Any chance? No. It was really good. But the Joker almost was treating Batman as if he was his lover. Like, I'm your I'm your best villain, right? Like, I'm the top one. And just, like, they have a relationship together. And it feels a little bit like that. Like, you know, Ford's telling William, well, there is one more game. Actually, he says that after William left. But William is the one who is going in and seems to relish going through that game, you know? Like, if he was really just a straight up, I hate you Ford. If that was his um, opinion, then would he bother with that stuff? Yeah. I almost kind of took it as two people that really like control. Mm-hmm. Um, he says Trying in this to... episode, it has nothing to do with control, but I don't know. Two, two pretty controlling guys. Yeah. I went, yeah. I wondered about that, whether we, whether that was true or not, but I did wonder from Ford's part, like what is the game? So he says, eh, maybe one last game. So you get the idea that's this, everything that's happening and the yeah. awakening of the host, the opening of the door um, right? versus William's desire to prevent and destroy that. But it also occurred to me that maybe Ford's game, because Man in Black keeps reacting and thinking Ford's hand is in everything that maybe Ford's ultimate game versus William is to drive him insane mm-hmm. to where he <laughs> by can't, not doing anything or to where he just can't tell the difference between yeah. reality and fantasy because he has. Yeah. To be fair to William, like every once in a while, a host will just start talking to him in Ford's um, not voice, but his words. Yeah. Oh, he's and, definitely messing with them. Right. So that has happened enough that you could understand him being paranoid that anybody might be a, host with right you know ford speaking through them and but we know it's his tendency anyway it's his personality Mm -hmm. yep 
Okay, that's it for... Well, uh, the last one is just uh, Emily, who we kind of talked about, but she says, I'm your daughter pretending to give a shit about you. When this is all done, I'm going to expose your project along with you. Everything's going to come to light, and I'm going to lock you up. Which I uh, I thought, wow, you went to all that trouble to hide all that and be manipulative, and then you just spew it out. So it makes me wonder, you know, we don't... I, I don't know if I can trust it or not, but I think that is what she was doing there. I think that part was true. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the rest of it wouldn't quite make sense otherwise. Right. And then that makes what she said to the ghost nation last week, actually true. She really did want him to suffer. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Number two. Yeah. And having him locked up would be nice symmetry for her because that was the triggering event for her mom, mom's mm-hmm. death. Um, number two for me is reveals of things we suspected, um, which is something we've been getting a lot of in season two, you know, things we speculated about. One of them was that Teddy, after he was changed, turned out to be more embittered and harder for Dolores to control than she expected. So there was a point early in season two where it seemed like she was going to really have control over everything. And then all of a sudden he became a little difficult and was throwing sarcastic zingers in there. And then that finally gets fully expressed in this season where he still loves her, but you know, he can't be what she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was signaled in advance. Um, one was then we've talked extensively about this, that the man in black thinks he is a host or suspects that he is. That mm-hmm. was never made overt before, but they hinted at it. And in this one, it, becomes overt and then one dating back to season one is that Maeve was intended by Ford to get on the train and get out of the right park. yeah so I remember us speculating about that at the time mm-hmm. uh, and this is the first time that that was confirmed um, so I thought it was nice to get some loose ends tied up on things that dated back quite a bit earlier mm-hmm. yeah and that was a great scene with Maven Ford where he tells her that she was his favorite and she's like his daughter and he almost starts crying I think yeah it's the most emotional and human we ever see him yeah I've ever seen him right even though he's just pretty much a virus at this point (laughs) (laughs) or or nothing at this point yeah yeah what do you think about that? Do you think that Bernard just got rid of a few files, but not the whole thing or what? It's a great question. Um, I don't feel like he's gone forever mm-hmm. because I think we would have gotten something more momentous about that I hope than so, yeah. we got. So it could be that he is being carried along in Maeve's consciousness or being distributed. Um, I still think it's possible that his consciousness is going to be distributed in a way that it can never be eradicated, Mm -hmm. like maybe carried by every member of this new species. Um, He does have a pretty big ego, Um, (laughs) pretty big godlike ego. Like he's a BitTorrent file. Right. (laughs) Uh, I kind of believed that he was out of Bernard's head, but I don't know. He's messed with Bernard before. Mm -hmm. That was a great moment with Bernard, too. You just mentioned that Ford was more, what did you say, human than we've ever seen? Bernard was more passionate. Get the fuck out of my head. Yeah. Or whatever he said. Yep. 
that was good to see Jeffrey Wright let loose like that. Yeah. Okay, my number two is about suicide, which we've seen a few instances of or near instances of lately and and choice and control and choice is mentioned a lot and there are issues of control and suicide which is related to the choice of whether to kill yourself and sometimes like in teddy's case the choice to kill yourself i think because the alternative for him would be a lack of choice and choice really equals freedom if you have choice then you have freedom so Teddy, we've already talked about enough, but I think um, just the fact that his old self was coming through makes me feel like these creatures have this kind of a soul slash spirit slash essence that maybe transcends programming, maybe. It seems like it. I mean, if she programmed him to be a certain way and he wasn't that way, then there was something else deeper that was motivating him. Well, they're certainly acting human. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or they have a lot of characteristics in common with humans emotionally uh, in terms of what's underneath uh, whatever's on the surface for them. I don't know if I'm disappointed by that necessarily because I think the story is still great. But I think there are some ways in which it would have been cool if the host had turned out to be a little more alien. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And that wouldn't necessarily mean that, Okay, that means they're not worth uh treating well it just means they're a different type of being right but uh teddy says what's the use of surviving if you come become just as bad as them and i think that could mean that well dolores controlled him and now even though he was able to fight it off a little bit he still feels like he's a changed person he calls himself a monster and it's not worth living if he's going to be a monster but it could just mean that no i did see that i can transcend that but there you know i see the future because dolores is in charge of the robot army Sorry, my cat just jumped on my computer. <laughs> and uh, This is a perfect time to ask about your cat, which I was instructed to do. Ashy I, slashy? Yeah, I have a little uh, uh, Siberian cat. He's looks, got little seal points, super fluffy, blue eyes. I, he's we, unbelievably he's super cute. super cute. You should post a picture of him. I'm pretty sure he's a real cat. And (laughs) we got him because he is supposedly hypoallergenic and we're all allergic to cats, but so far so good. Actually, we haven't really had any reactions to him. Wow. That's turning out to be true so far. Yeah. So maybe he's not real. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's super cute and fun, but he's a troublemaker. (laughs) It'll only get worse. (laughs) So uh, what else? So Bernard now, Bernard is mostly in relation to choice. When Ford tries to get Bernard to kill Elsie, he says, I merely offer you choices. So he's making a point to say that he's not going to force him to do anything. But yet still, it's infuriating enough to Bernard that he screams and uh, goes and connects himself to a computer so he can purge him from his system. And yet still, he sends Elsie away and I got the feeling he did that because it was for her own safety, just in case he didn't succeed in purging Ford from himself. You know, he, he thought that maybe she wouldn't be safe around him. Yeah, which is a pretty good guess. I guess. Given past events. Right. 
get out of my fucking head. That's what he said. And last episode, Ford made Bernard kill a bunch of people. And now he's had enough of that violence. He doesn't want to be used like that anymore. And he has several times in the past. He knows now. So he's, this is like a Bernard really waking up and being self-willed. I feel like. Yeah. And, and we're still not fully versed on the history of how Bernard was created, which Bernard is this, how many have there been? <laughs> um, there's still some mystery around him, but they remember there were the multiple Bernards right. uh, in the house. And, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to, I still want to think that the Bernard that we've seen throughout these two seasons has mostly been the same body. And those other ones were all just prototypes that were locked in storage the whole time. But, but we really don't know, but yeah. And I think that's plausible. One thing, you know, I don't know if this is intentional on Ford's part, but Ford has always said that suffering and boredom are necessary for awakening and evolution. And so maybe trying to force Bernard to kill is it, it obviously bothers him to the point where he will do something about it, which is to purge, uh, Ford from his system, which is a very awake, self-willed thing to do. So whether or not Ford meant to, he's actually uh, hastening, I think, Bernard's, you know, um, autonomy. Yeah, we're right on the same page. So I had written down, and this was my number one to talk about Bernard and Ford. So Hmm. you've said most of it already. Um, But his figuring out that he can delete Ford, you know, it's about time that this Right. He's a brilliant guy, too. I mean, if he's a recreation of Arnold, uh, Arnold is the brilliant co-creator of this park. So he should be a match for Ford, even though Ford created him. So maybe he has some tactical advantages. Yeah. And we learned that he was at least we think that he was largely created from Ford and Dolores's memories of Bernard, too. Right. So what I wrote down is maybe Bernard freeing himself was Ford's ultimate end game in evolution. That Bernard is not evolved until he is able to find the will and the initiative uh, and the ingenuity to escape from Ford's control. Mm -hmm. To match him. Yeah. And he says you can um, you can stop this and you're the only one who can. Um, so maybe that is part of his plan. Right. And there have been times where I've been tempted to think, oh, that Ford, he's come off like a bad guy, but really he's just been doing what it take takes to, uh, for everyone's good. But then I remember that, yeah, he had like Bernard mow down a bunch of humans. So if you're a human, Ford's <laughs> right. not such an, a great guy. <laughs> no, no, he is not on the human team. Juliet, she killed herself going back to suicide because I think the park was more, it was, you know, a little bit cliched. It's all about because she's not satisfied with her relationship, but, uh, the park is more important to William than her. And also he's just got this dark side to him that infects everybody. That's what I got. Yeah. And, and also, you know, for whatever it's emotionally caused, she's an alcoholic and an addict Um, doesn't want to face up to what she would have to go through to address those problems and really has seen sort of her whole family go down the drain, not just her relationship. Yeah. 
And then we saw that Man in Black, I mentioned already, but he said, what is a person but a collection of choices? Where do those choices come from? Do I have a choice? Were any of these choices ever truly mine to begin with? So those are the kind of questions he's asking himself that end up diverting himself from killing himself so that he can then poke a thing into his forearm, which may very well kill him anyway. That <laughs> couldn't be too good. That's true. <laughs> not going to help. Right. And last, I just also remembered as I was writing this, well, also Logan sort of killed himself. He maybe didn't do it on purpose, but overdosed. And Ford kind of killed himself too. So there's a lot of suicide in this show. Yeah. Maeve killed herself. Yeah, many times, right? A few times. Yeah. Yeah. But first sort of came to Ford's special attention that way. Right. Sometimes, yeah, the killing is used as a, as a tool. Right. Killing self. Okay, number one. Um, so we've talked about my number one, mm-hmm. which was Ford and Bernard. I think that's been my number one like eight different times. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great, great relationship. I'm glad. I mean, I'm sure they saw, oh man, Jeffrey Wright knocked it out of the park. Let's give him a lot to do. And that was the right choice. I feel. Yeah. I mean, it's such a well acted show. So many people are great. Evan Rachel Wood um, and Harris, but the two of them together are just so great. Mm -hmm. Anthony Hopkins and Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Oh, well, my number one, we've talked a little about, but it's Maeve and Ford and May, uh, Ford said to Bernard, there's one thing I want to do before we go, before they left the Mesa to go to the, the forge. And I think that was to liberate Maeve. So he goes to her and he unlocks her core permissions, which I think means that he turns back her access to the mesh network so she can control people again. I don't know, but interesting. Um, so yeah, we totally were wondering what that meant. Mm -hmm. Obviously it was unlocking her powers in some way. Uh, and maybe that's it reconnecting her uh, to the network. But I I also wondered if it was unlocking some other ability he's built into her that is related to that or that we haven't even quite seen yet. Um, you know, cause he Mm -hmm. says, don't let them do this to you. Yeah. She, he wants her back in action. Right. And as you mentioned, we, we find out that he's the one who programmed her to escape the park, which is interesting because this whole thing about choice, he, he says to her, you know, I tried to force you to escape, but I was wrong. I should have just opened a door. And it feels like he's saying, I should have just created the circumstances and let you choose, which is what he says he did with Dolores. He says he didn't prompt her to shoot him, but he kind of knew she would. So I wonder why he was more controlling with Maeve. Like maybe he he was being kind of a controlling parent with her, but uh, but either way, I, I liked it that he said he under underestimated her, so he speaks highly of her. That was interesting. Yeah. I didn't yep. expect that uh, any of that that he she was his favorite or anything. No, that totally was a surprise, and and she is a. Um, she develops into a complex and compassionate character, which is n- compassion is not generally what you associate with him. So mm-hmm. that that's what was interesting to see that almost human side, right? Even just an electronic form. Um, Karen noted one really good detail, which was that we'd sort of long been wondering why the 
uh, madam of the Mariposa would have a British accent. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they just change that to a, um, you know, a Western accent like they do for the other hosts? Um, and she said maybe it was because he viewed her as his child. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I had always assumed that that I think they may have even mentioned at some point that she came from England. I don't know if I'm just making that up in my head. But then, well, they say she came from somewhere far away. I don't remember if they even okay. specified England, but it's still a weird detail. They could have just changed her into American. Yeah, I mean, what makes it even weirder is when she was back on the homestead that she had that. Yeah, and, and her daughter didn't. Right. So that yeah, that's. An, maybe why okay notes notes um i got a few williams books so the books that were on the counter where he was hiding the um you know the card that had his his profile on it Mm -hmm. moby dick slaughterhouse five jude the obscure and uh two plutarch uh, Mm -hmm. volumes plutarch's historical methods and plutarch and rome so uh, obviously this episode begins with this disparity in the Plutarch quotes where he corrects the fellow guest at the party and says, uh, no, the, the famous quote that you said is actually corruption of the original mm-hmm. and that the original is actually when Alexander was told there were infinite worlds, he wept for he had yet to become the lord of even one. Uh, so I think that's meant to symbolize his failure to win the game or control Westworld, I mm-hmm. think. But he had just that one guy had the poor bad luck to start riffing on something that um, William just happened to be one of the four books that he owned. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But I think we're meant to think. um, He's smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And these books are are meaningful to him. So you got Moby Dick where you have this guy obsessed with revenge Mm -hmm. um, that is really unobtainable. And chasing uh, a, a one thing, like focused solely yeah. on one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of felt like, oh, it sounds like Dolores. <laughs> or maybe Man in Black. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Slaughterhouse 5. So this was actually from a Reddit user, Helio Scar, but I thought he or she put it very well. There's a moment in Slaughterhouse 5 when the protagonist, Billy, finds himself abducted and placed in a glass dome in an intergalactic zoo opposite an attractive female. The whole book is a disjointed timeline of events. The reader unaware of what is real and what is not. Sounds a little familiar. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I never read that. I, I need, I always wanted to, but I just never got around. I to haven't it. read that either. I've read some other following it, but mm-hmm. um, so I think we can assume that the writers of Westworld have read it. Right. And, uh, and then there's Jude, the obscure, which is, really an extremely sad tale involving suicide murder and a just family broken beyond repair um so that sort of summed up their own family (laughs) right yeah he needs to start reading some inspirational books or something yeah uh comic books just lighten it up a little bit (laughs) yeah i do love in westworld though that nothing is random like every detail is yeah is thought about it's kind of like lost in that way. Yeah. I mean, it was often you have to go down and like slow it down to see what's there. Mm-hmm. Freeze frame. The last one I was going to mention was the trailer for next week. 
Um, so I, I won't really go into the details because I think it is a spoiler. I even have mixed feelings about watching it myself because uh, I, I like to come to an episode not having too many expectations, but I couldn't help myself and I, I watched it. Without going into the spoilery details, I think I can say we are going to get more about Bernard and his creation story um, because there's some simulation history in there involving him and Dolores. Um, and we see Logan in the trailer as well. So his story is not over. Good. Yeah, stuff like to look forward to for <laughs> the, the season finale. Well, you didn't tell us what the title meant. Um, the title of this episode, Vanishing Point. Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't go look up what Vanishing Point means. I just let it have its own meaning for me this week. Okay. Uh, and its meaning for me was sort of that point for the man in black where the distinction between reality and fantasy has been completely erased. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that actually does go along with the meaning, at least usually when that term is used, it's in art and it's the point where if you have parallel lines in a a 3d, you know, representation as they go back into the depth they appear to converge right they meet at at the infinite point the end Mm -hmm. of the perspective or the horizon yeah exactly so so the two things kind of merge into one and so it's like yeah reality and simulation becoming one or when you lose yourself that quote if you keep pretending you're not going to remember who you are comes to mind yep Mm -hmm. okay i have a couple notes too let's see what are they? Oh, I almost made this a main point because I loved it so much. But when Charlotte's programmer guy uses what he found out about Maeve, her ability to send commands remotely to program Clementine with this zombie virus. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that so much. It reminded <laughs> me of, did you ever watch that movie Pontypool? Oh, yeah. It's just like a word virus that when people hear it, they go nuts and start getting really violent. Or um, even 28 days later, it's just a violence virus. And they're all kicking and stabbing and biting each other's necks. Yeah, just going crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the scene in uh, Cabin in the Woods where all the doors get opened and all the demons go crazy. Yeah, just chaos. And that's foreboding for the future. It was a great way to use um, Clementine because she always looks like she's just a little bit still aware of what's going on and really sad about it, but she can't help it. And so it'll be interesting to see how that gets used next week. Yeah. Pontypool. I think a lot of times people will say about a movie, that's a weird movie when really it's, and I'm sometimes I'll think, well, it's not really weird. It's just, it was making a specific off the beaten path point, or it was just complicated and you didn't follow it. Um, (laughs) Pontypool, legitimately a weird movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Loved it. I, I thought it was really cool and creepy and and uh, complicated. But at the end of it, I was like, that was a little different. Yeah, that was very odd. I don't know how we ended up watching that. We watched it for Walking Dead cast. Oh, let's see. Um, I'm wondering if we'll see any more parks by the end of the season. I I almost hope not. I think it's great to dole these things out deliberately and slowly 
So I'm glad we got yeah. a little bit of the Raj and the Shogun world, and we'll see what the other ones are later down the road. Yeah, they got to save something for uh, for the future. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, like, hey, in the Raj or in Shogun world, would you be wearing a hat? So I know. the research project is only in Westworld. Yeah. Like, what if one of the parks is Naked World? Then they can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where's the brain scan? Study anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They mentioned that William comes from humble beginnings twice, and I'm not sure why the douchey guy that he was talking to at the beginning at the event mentioned it and then Ford later on. Yeah, they did seem to want to make sure you didn't miss that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why. I guess that's it. All right, that's great. We'll take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. The lunatic is in my head. The lunatic is in my head You raise the blade You make the change You rearrange me till I'm sane You lock the door Throw away the key Someone in my head, but it's not me. All right, back. It's time for the news. The Westworld mobile game I mentioned uh, a while back is coming out on iOS and Android this Thursday, June 21st. It says, quote, as new Delos employees learn to control Westworld, from bloody sunrises to romantic sunsets, you'll pair guests with hosts, fulfilling their wildest dreams from the shadows. Because in a world ruled by desire, everyone has a role to play, including you. And if you go to westworldmobile.com, there's some more information about that. You can pre-register to get a special reward, including early access to the Lawrence host code. Nice. I'll probably check it out. Yeah, I will too. Yeah. Uh, next, there's an interview on Hollywood Reporter with Celia Ward. Uh, they ask how well, this is about how she approached the role. Um, she says it's a pretty. Or she played Juliet, obviously, uh, Man in Black's wife. It's a pretty straightforward dynamic, I think, which is universal and first and foremost has to do with a woman and a marriage whose needs are not being met, and a distant husband, a troubled husband, a cold man who is not there for her emotionally leaving and going on these sojourns to the park for long periods of time. And in any relationship, loneliness is one of the most debilitating experiences emotionally for people who are partnered, particularly for long periods of time. That was such a universal thing to draw from that. I really didn't need much else. What I did was a portrait of a marriage encapsulated in one episode. So I thought that was just kind of confirming what, what we saw she goes on about why she, why Juliet killed herself being able to confirm that her whole marriage was a lie by seeing this data card and seeing that she doesn't even know this person, that he has an entire different life and wherever she is and was in her unhappiness, I think it was just too much for her to handle. And also in the wake of being told that they were going to take her back to that institution type of construct, she obviously felt very trapped and felt that was her only way to escape. So it was sad. Yeah, and I thought it was a really good performance. Um, she was a good choice for the older version of the younger Juliet we had seen. Yeah. Like, sometimes you're not sure if that, eh, does this really go together? But I thought this one really did. 
Yeah, like uh, Jimmy Simpson and Ed Harris are pretty good, but right. I don't know. They don't quite look like each other. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, That's it, but they're both great. Yeah. Uh, okay, next, Westworld Season 3 apparently be- begins shooting this month. I think Ed Harris offhandedly mentioned shooting in June in, in an interview, so maybe it already is shooting. But they say it may not premiere until 2020, uh, the showrunners have suggested that this 18 month gap that happened in between seasons one and two might repeat between two and three. Mm. So, <laughs> we might have a long time to wait for that. Man, and if I don't want to wait that long again. I know. But here's the thing is they waited that long and I feel like they did an awesome job. Yeah. So. And I totally get why. I mean, it's a complicated thing with a lot right. of characters and a lot of stuff goes into it. So. And if you think about how two-hour movies, you know, the sequels sometimes take a couple of years to come out, and these are like a movie every week. So I don't like it either, but if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Yeah, the end of the season is 10 hours. It's like five feature films, and mm-hmm. they're better than almost any feature film. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. But that means that if uh, this goes like six seasons or so, I might be too old to podcast by the end of it. (laughs) The hosts may not age, but we do. (laughs) Right. These two hosts do. Yeah. Uh, Back in, last thing, back in April, co-creators Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy took questions on a Reddit, Ask Me Anything, ahead of the season two premiere. One user asked whether they would pick the white hat or the black hat if they visited the park. And Joy said, I'd be wary of those hats in general. Oh. (laughs) Nice. She kind of gave it away. And someone in the comments actually said, do they have scanners in them? But I don't think anybody (laughs) answered that. (laughs) They're like, God damn it. (laughs) That's it for the news. Let's get into listener feedback. All righty. So from uh, Sarah Larkham, I really felt sorry for Juliet because she really loved William and he had turned so cold after his experience in the park. This episode made me mad at the man in black because he killed his daughter because he thought she was a host. I know people like this character, but I am not a fan of the man in black anymore. I don't understand why you wouldn't like that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> what's the problem? Uh, just so, um, you know, you and I are not so sure he killed his daughter, but on the other hand, I think this show's got us on the run. We're so faked out by this point. We're out <laughs> thinking ourselves. Yeah. And if I had to guess, I would say he did. And it was yeah. horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Avelina Roshino says, one thing I realized in this episode was that Dolores and Teddy were the only awake hosts created by Arnold while the other awake hosts were made by Ford. Is this why there was a conflict between Dolores and Ghost Nation at getting to the Valley Beyond? Great to see Ford now fully involved in the story. And I felt bad for Emily, who I presume dead. I was hoping for resolution between her and the man in black. Why exactly did Teddy off himself? I think we talked a lot about that. Uh, uh, As far as... um, Dolores and Teddy were the only awake hosts created by Arnold. Do we know I, that? I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know how you know that, Avelino. Write in and let us know how you know that. And that, uh, Because um, um, Akichita definitely was confronted by Ford, who observed that his consciousness had been growing. Right. Um, but I don't think we know that he was created by Ford. Right. I don't know that. Yeah. And then he lastly says, and by the way, what did poor Elsie ever do to Ford anyway? Ford wants to kill her again and again and again. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's just because she's human, I think. Yeah. 
and maybe she's like a not as good a programmer as him so <laughs> right he's looking she's down on her. riffraff yeah. and she's friends with bernard and so she's a threat <laughs> yeah uh aisha stout says even though dolores changed teddy he was a more empathetic creature you could see it earlier in the episode when he was supposed to kill everyone in the ghost nation and then he couldn't kill the last one and let him go did you notice after teddy shot himself and dolores ran over to him it seemed very robotic the way she moved and knelt next to him. Um, I love Celia Ward, and it was awesome seeing her in the show as Juliet. She's a great actress. I know you guys have said it a couple times, but it still floors me that the man in black is walking around like nothing happened to him. Wasn't he shot like 10 times? <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a good point. It's worth questioning. Right. When you bring that up, then it feels almost ridiculous if he's not a robot. Right. <laughs> or something. And yes, Teddy, I mean, Dolores does seem very uh, robotic or Terminator-like at times. I thought that was a beautifully acted scene by her, though. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, the the way that she conveys, can convey multiple things at the same time mm -hmm. uh, in a scene is is really amazing. So. Yeah, still giving you the a little bit of the robot affect, but she really showed emotion too. Yeah, and I like that scene because it, we think they're contrasting their first meeting when Ted, Teddy has tender feelings towards her, but but this is their potential final meeting because he's about to kill her because uh, they showed him seeing her um when he first came awake and he was afraid that she was going to be cold remember mm -hmm. and so yep. then they're showing her like okay but now i have to kill you like i was worried about you then but now i'm going to have to kill you and, and then she gets more terminator like at the thought of that like oh there's going to be a confrontation here and then he kills himself so we kind of got um you know we didn't know what to think for a little while there our emotions went on a little bit of a roller coaster ride and that just added to everything else great that was going on in that scene. Yeah. And I have to say that this was a scene that like, I think a number this season, it, it didn't surprise me. So I felt like I knew where Teddy was going in that scene. Um, but it was still great. It, mm -hmm. it didn't detract from it at all. I didn't know. The only time I knew was when he said, I'll protect you until the day I die. And then I'm like, Oh, he's about to kill himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the day he dies. Yeah. yeah. Kristen Hal said, Hey, Kristen, love Kristen. I wrote down a few notes. Here they are looking forward to hearing you two discuss as usual. I thought Clementine didn't have a backup and was dead. Was that not true? I've lost track. I don't even remember the last time we saw Clementine before this. Was Clementine dead? I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, I remember she dragged, um, Bernard to the cave and then what happened to her then she was with the Dolores crew for a while mm. I mean she's she was in on the invasion of the Mesa okay yeah um, I think she's brain dead I, I, I think she's she's yeah. damaged so Kristen may very well be right um, you know mm -hmm. I'm not perfect to keeping track of these things but I also wonder if maybe she's mixing her up with um who was the one that was there with Dolores from the beginning? Oh, um, Angela. Angela. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Maybe so. Yeah. She blew herself up. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway. Maybe so, yeah. Yeah. And she she goes on, if William is really uploaded consciousness, why wouldn't he upload into a younger William? I assume William's going to be our first uploaded immortal, the way he was digging at his arm like he was looking for his plug. Yeah, that's a good point. If he's really a robot. Well, he doesn't know, but... He doesn't know what he is. Yeah. I still think that, yeah, the two actors will meet at some point where probably, you know, young William is a host. That'd be cool. She says, glad Teddy got out of his super toxic relationship. I hope this changes Dolores a bit, but it won't. She's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting the extent to which Dolores has lost the sympathy vote. I know. I mean, she was the big sympathy character of season (laughs) one. I know. And here, I think if I found out some race of beings had created me and my friends, you and Karen and my, my parents and, you know, my wife tortured and, and killed us over and over and yeah. over again. And ki- yeah, for pleasure and just raped, yeah. raped us and, and continually wiped our memory every night and everything. Um, then I might be kind of mad at them. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> um, you know, she has become, uh, the death bringer, which is not sympathetic in a way, but she's got a lot of justification on her side. Yeah. If, yeah. There's some justification there for sure, I would say. Diana says, great episode. It always blows my mind how this show continuously tops themselves week after week. So was Maeve controlling that tablet with their mind? What do you guys think? Um, I think Ford was using the tablet to unlock something within her. Yeah. Also, just because Emily was holding the program card doesn't mean she was the real Emily. Notice how we didn't see her scan to see if she was human or host. That was hidden from view. Yep. Yep. Very good observation. (laughs) Um, Next week's episode looks crazy in all the best ways. I have no idea how this is going to play out, and I can't wait. Absolutely. If I could watch it right now, I would. Yep. And last, we have an email from Marco Duran. He says, hello. As I was listening to your last podcast, I had what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know that? (laughs) In Kiksuya, Ford tells Akichida when the Deathbringer returns for him in the timeline, what we're watching now in season two, to gather his people, which now includes everyone since he expanded his tribe, and lead him to a new world, the Dor Valley et al., what we've, what we've also seen is that Ford, through Bernard, is also headed there with Elsie. Then, in the two weeks later time, timeline, we know that Bernard, looking down at the lake of the drowned hosts, claims that he killed them all. What if Ford's plan is to finish what Arnold started? We know from the first season that Arnold, through Dolores, wanted to, quote, destroy this place, Westworld, episode 1.5. However, when the massacre of hosts occurred, there were hosts that escaped since... They were not in the town, i.e. Akichita and his village. I'm sure there were more. So Ford lays his plan and has Akichita gather everyone in the valley. Then he, through Bernard, floods the valley and finishes what Arnold started. Ideas and thoughts. Thanks so much for your time in reading this and in making the podcast. I look forward to it every week. So he, by saying finish what Arnold started, meaning he's going to destroy all the hosts. Yeah. So they can't be tortured anymore. Yeah, I just don't think that's what Ford wants. I, I I just get little hits all the time of him saying, talking about freedom and opening doors. I mean, he could be lying, but he's always been about destroying humans, not hosts. 
I mean, he did say to Maeve, um, it's hard to contemplate the death of your children. Um, mm. And they are his children. So that made me wonder about. But then, yeah, he said, so then don't let this be the end of your story. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I uh, we don't know how this flood happened. And Bernard claims responsibility for it. I did this. Right. And Ford said this week, only you, Bernard, can stop this. Uh-huh. Man, I can't wait for next week. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to be solved. Right. that is our show episode 14 thanks for listening everybody it's been a great season it's been fun to do these i guess i shouldn't say that until we're done next week but it could be terrible next week no, <laughs> it could be I don't terrible so. yeah it was fun <laughs> up until episode nine yeah. <laughs> if you want to call us about next week's episode or anything up until then you can email us at westworld at podcastica.com Send us a voice message uh, to westworld at podcastica.com and we need some voice messages. Yeah. So we can play them on the air. That's what we challenge you next week. Yeah. Anybody send something, even just like a 15 second reaction or whatever you want, and we'll play it. Yeah. We almost guarantee we'll play it on the air. Almost, unless it's highly offensive and then maybe we still will anyway. Then it's I know 50, I've said 50. that before, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe even more likely. Uh, you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash westworldcast. And please check out our other podcasts at podcastica.com. And next week we'll have Westworld Season 2, Episode 10, The Passenger, which is a reference to the file or something when they were looking up stats on Abernathy. It said something about the passenger. Well, he was the passenger. um, And we speculated it's because he was supposed to get on the train. Oh, that's right. But now that Ford has been a passenger inside yep. um, Bernard, I, I, I wonder if that doesn't have a double meaning. Who knows? Yeah. I, I My little theory is what if Ford is going to implant himself in everybody? Right. And be a, that's what yeah. I'm saying, BitTorrent, man. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> distributed across humans all around the world. We've finished several series together lately. So Wild Wild Country, we finished The mm-hmm. Americans, Trust. Um, it, it's always bittersweet. You get to that ending, so you get that hit of resolution, but then it's over. Yeah, it's I know. It's like uh, sometimes when that happens, especially the really big ones like Lost, maybe even more the ones that I don't binge, but I watch over time. It feels like the ending of a relationship. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> yeah. Also shows we get... We spend too much time and energy. (laughs) (laughs) We get too wrapped up in this stuff. Yeah. All right. That is our show. Thanks for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.